0: Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling podcast featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally. And no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast freely available to all. Hello and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, a gentle parenting author, and a proud world-schooling mom to two amazing children, Benjamin and Sophia. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Monique Sayers. Thank you so much for joining us, as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thank you for being with me, Monique.
1: Hi, thank you so much for inviting me along to your Peaceful World podcast. My pleasure. I'm so, so excited to have
0: you on. Um, I had the the privilege of being able to be a guest on your podcast not that long ago. Um, And so I'm excited to be able to have you have an opportunity to share as well with my audience, because I know that the things that you are creating in the world are powerful and going to make a significant difference for children and adults. Um, So let's, let's dive in. All right. To get us started, I wanted to ask, um, can
1: you just share a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Yeah, sure, of course. So I'm Monique Sayers, and I'm a mother, and I'm a teacher. I'm an entrepreneur, lover of life. I'm living here in uh, Uruguay. I was about to say in Bali, Indonesia, because I used to live there. (laughs) I used to teach in Bali, Indonesia. I've taught across the world in different countries, in China, Bali. as well as Australia where I'm from, and now in Uruguay, and now I'm currently um, teaching online. So recently I um, created an amazing um, mission. It just came to me like as a vision and it's called A New Paradigm of Education. And this is a book, but it's also a global vision for helping humanity to really revolutionize uh, the face of education. And so that's what I've been working on this year in a collaboration with some other authors um, from across the world, from other different areas as well. And you joined us on the podcast for a new paradigm of education to share your story as well, because uh, it's all about collaborating with different educators, parents, and global citizens about how we can you know, change education for the future generations of our children. So that's what I've been uh, most passionate about. Um, Yeah, I've been teaching all around the world in different countries, as I've mentioned. And I don't know what else to share except for that. Um, I'll just leave it short and I can obviously dive in a bit more about the book and things later on. So thanks for having me on. That's perfect.
0: Um, Thank you so much for being here. Again, so I, I love being able to connect with other teachers because I feel like as teachers, we really do have a very unique perspective into the classroom. And I think it's important that teachers can share authentically about the things that we see. And a lot of times when people are making decisions about education, it's like the policymakers, the politicians, kind of the people that are very removed from the day-to-day life of what kids are experiencing. Um, and even parents, a lot of times parents really don't have access to see what's happening in the classroom. So I'm wondering what were some of the, the things that you saw as a teacher that kind of started raising some concerns for you or like, okay, we, we may need to make some changes here.
1: If I'm honest, I was a complacent teacher to begin with. I didn't actually think that any changes needed when I was first starting. You know, like when you're you're a newcomer to teaching, it's a new world. You've gone from university and you step out into the main world and you go into the classroom and it's all on you. Like I used to put everything on myself. Like what's going wrong? It's it's all it's all on me. It's my fault. Why, Why are the kids not listening why is this not happening? why is that not happening? I would have never considered making changes right This has all just come recently through me I um, first of all transforming myself. so as I transformed myself and became peaceful within and um, awakened citizen of the world, I just um, woke up to everything. So everything in my life became joyful everything became peaceful and so I naturally then just noticed things that would be fading away. And um, needing to be changed. And so the book for me wasn't about stirring up and saying, this is not right, this is not working. It didn't come from that place. So it's it's hard for me to share it from that place. It, it came from a place where I actually just saw a rebirthing of the face of education, a necessary rebirthing. And it was from a, it was coming from that place of love and joy because I know what it, it feels like when you're inside a classroom and it's working beautifully, the children are happy, they're regulated, you know, the perfect the perfect day where everything goes well. And I obviously know the days where things are not going smoothly as well. I think all of that is not necessarily due to a system per se. I think that also has to do with the teacher as well and also the upbringing of the children and things like that. Of course, the environment can also be an, a factor, like sitting inside a classroom and not having enough breaks and all of that. But I guess why. What I'm saying is I was probably lucky with my own teaching, because, for example, like when I was teaching in Bali, I was able to um, kind of manage the day how I wanted. So I was able to kind of look at the children, look at what they needed and base the day off that without having to be so regimented in checkpoints, which I know a lot of the other authors that I interviewed within the book. Um, they had anxiety over it. Like one of the authors, she had major anxiety over needing to um, tick boxes <laughs> and have her children know the times tables and things like that. But I personally never had to face that pressure, even though I saw that it was there. And I know that it is a daily a daily um, pressure for teachers. There's so many different aspects that, that can be involved within that. Um, and there's so many aspects within education now that do need changing, of course. Um And I'm also cautious because who am I to be the person that says it needs changing like the book is about um, a collaboration so it's about all of our voices being heard and it's also all about what is for the highest good of children so Mm -hmm. if what you're doing in a classroom feels like it's for the highest good do it, if it doesn't feel like it's for the highest good don't do it change Mm -hmm. just change. You know, make an adjustment. Like you don't have to follow a script. Like there's, you know, we we all have our own inner wisdom, and so it's about um, the book was all about encouraging teachers to use their own inner wisdom and their own guidance. Mm. And I've always kind of been able to do that, Um, even in the mainstream schools in Australia. I'd kind of walk in, and I was mostly a casual teacher there because the way I was spending my life traveling, Mm -hmm. I would be a casual teacher in Australia and a permanent teacher in other countries. And so when I'd walk into a classroom there, I'd be given kind of things that I need to do, but actually what I needed to do was to present myself in a peaceful way Mm -hmm. and show up for the children in that way. Just look at them and see what they actually need, see how they're responding to what I've been given to teach them. And if there's no response and it's not working, I would just not do it. I would completely change what was needed because they're not really going to be learning anyways right if they're defiant or not listening no, no learning's happening so I would just delete <laughs> and start again fresh and um, and go down that path I hope that, that that kind of answers the question I know there's a lot of things we could kind of go into in terms of like education reform and things like that um, as well um, but yeah as I said the book was more about the higher consciousness as opposed to, Mm -hmm. um, the blocks, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah. I I love what you said about, you know, when you notice that there's something that's, that's not working that you can change it. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of jealous that you had that experience in Bali where you had that freedom that you didn't feel that pressure to have to like check off all the boxes. Cause I, I, I know so many teachers, especially here in the United States were very, um, regulated, you know, when it comes to curriculum and, and well, and it depends again on, on, of course, on the County and the district and, um, even the subject, you know, when I was teaching Spanish, I felt like I had a lot more freedom, um, to, you know, in my teaching, whereas when I was teaching, you know, English or math, those were I mean, English class was literally a script, like open this book, read this paragraph, ask this question. Like that was the curriculum. I mean, it was incredibly scripted um, because they wanted everyone in every English class to have the exact same thing. Um, but the the problem is, you know, children aren't robots. You know, every day they're coming in with all of these other issues that they're dealing with. And we can't approach teaching them from this like robotic script type. Method, You know, teaching is so much more interactive than that, Um, and really being able to be aware of their emotional state because that really impacts their learning, too. Um, And so you've talked about having a new paradigm of education. What is your vision for a new paradigm of education?
1: So a new paradigm of education is a collaboration across the world of educators in all forms. So it's a debunking of the old paradigm where the teacher is in the front of the classroom and the students are listening even the principle is there, you know, when I saw the vision of what it is, it's a circular vision. So it's like all of us um, together gathered and there is actually no leader because everybody is their own leader. Mm -hmm. And from that place, that is where the learning would happen. So I see it as, there's like so many aspects of it. And um, I see it as like a collaboration between community members, parents, students, mentors, educators, all as one. And, um, that every voice matters and every aspect or every um, everybody's own backgrounds or schemas matter because we're all coming at it from different ways and everybody is very different in that way. And I see, like, for example, if you look at it energetically, what's happened with the world in terms of... We look at, say, the pandemic, and literally classrooms were closed, and you know, a lot of people lost businesses, lost their jobs, and a lot of like a lot of destruction happened, a lot of death happened. Let's let's be real, a lot of this stuff happened, right? But from this place, what I saw was this um, this place of beauty. That there's a place of um, with every death, there's always a place of life, and there's this place of kind of this cycle where people can now kind of envision. Well, what is it that would actually work? what was not working? And what is it that actually would work? What do, what do we need to create? And some of that has come from a desperate need, like some teachers are not returning to jobs, for example. So there's a need for teachers and some, some children are not returning to mainstream schools, for example. So there's an actual need for them to sit and go, okay, well, what are we going to create? Are we going to create a homeschool? Are we going to go create something in a forest or a garden? Are we going to just non-school? Like, what are we going to do? there's that aspect then there's also the aspect of the teachers that have chosen to go back into the classroom and my hope is that those those teachers that have chosen that not that that would be my particular path but those ones that have also I am hoping will have a chance to relook at everything because um, you know there's people there's some children doing online learning there's some children you know not there there's some children that are there and having that chance to kind of configure what it all was. For me personally, when I was visioning the new new paradigm, it wasn't like one fixed aspect. It's actually um, a paradigm shift is actually the opposite of everything that we know, all the structures that we already know, it's the opposite of all of that. And so how do I put that into words? How do I, as me Monique says, decide what is one single thing for the new paradigm? And the answer is I don't I I collaborate with with everybody and I use the energy of the highest good of children, because I I really believe that um, if we simply can let children lead us, I feel like a lot of the other stuff will fall away, for example. Um, anxiety in classroom would fall away because the children would naturally be playing and doing what they feel is happy. You know, learning environments would change because, okay, today I want to play play outside. Okay, well, let's go outside then. So then you'd create that environment and you'd work with them outside. You know, um, okay, what else do I want to do today? And that would kind of lead the direction of what becomes a curriculum if there is a curriculum Mm -hmm. and what directs the learning and it's not all necessarily about the children as well it's I feel it's a circular thing so I feel like also there's a place for the teacher there's also a place for the wisdom keepers the community members and sort of circling back to what I was saying about COVID was um, you know there's a lot of people that would probably really love to be in schools supporting children like with their own special unique talents and gifts like musicians or entrepreneurs or people you know like green keepers people that have different ideas and skills that they could teach children i see it as a community thing where a school is kind of more like a community and so there's um you know children are able to go out and learn in these kind of community environments as well as these community members are able to come into schools Mm um there's kind of different phases with the new paradigm so at the moment um obviously we still have our mainstream little box schools or whatever you want to call them you know rooms where children learn we also have this opportunity where other types of schools are happening we also have this opportunity where online schools are happening I think we're at a a bridge at the moment and I know if I really think into the future like when I was writing the book um the book was all about The future vision so it wasn't about what can I do right now it was like what do I see then Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: naturally if I have my vision held strong the steps will will kind of land Um, but it's kind of twofold as well because what steps can I do today as well? Like what one little step can I do today, whether I'm in a classroom as a teacher, whether I'm home as a parent, what Mm -hmm. can I personally do today to help my child's education? And there's so many different areas within education, as you know, that you could talk about, like that goes into like a whole lot of different things that they may need or may not need as well. So um, that's kind of a little bit of a a taste of what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. And I love
0: that idea a lot of times when we think about change we're like okay I see this wrong I'm going to change it but it's it sounds like you're not even doing that you're not looking at so much the problems but you're really envisioning what do I want to create and and that's been a question that I've been asking myself too is you know yes there there are issues um, that we see but it's not coming from a place of change but rather a place of creation of when I envision my child's educational environment? What do I want to create for them? And what do they want to create for themselves? Um, And I think you said something really powerful, too, because you were talking about a classroom where there's no leader, um, because everyone is leading themselves. And that is, for many people, I'm sure that is a mind-blowing and revolutionary statement. And I'm sure there are people that are like, what? Like, (laughs) how can that be? You know, like, can, you know, and Can kids really just lead themselves in their learning? And to someone who's wondering if that's possible, this idea of self-led learning, um, have you seen that happening or is that a vision that you have for the future or how have you seen self-led learning play out in your life?
1: That's a really simple answer for me because um, I feel like learning is not separate from me. And it's not separate from anybody and I think learning probably as you know as well as an educator learning is happening every moment and actually one of the quotes I say in the book is um education is um Something that is moving through me. It's not something that's given to me. Mm. And that actually came to me as wisdom while I was surfing. And maybe everybody's like, What surfing? You're getting (laughs) wisdom while you're surfing. What's this woman doing? (laughs) But this is all how the new paradigm is created. It's created from this place of love and joy and letting go. And there's no pressure. And from that place, learning is happening. So I was able to listen inside of myself to um, my own learning. And then I was able to then gift that. To share that into a book. Um, so I believe that every child, every teacher is their own learner. It's just shifting your perspective within a classroom. Like, I know personally, when I walk into a classroom, I'm not thinking, What am I teaching the child? I actually walk in thinking, What am I going to learn today? And there's always something I'm going to learn in that classroom with that child. Like, they astound me with what they do. Um, and it's just allowing them to have a voice to be heard to listen to them, to give them a chance um, to not just be a number in a classroom, but to actually walk up to that child, look at them and say, what do you need? You know, reading a child's face will tell you everything you know there's there's nothing more you need to do than that it's it's really simple you can do that in any classroom you can do that in any home and if you just every moment is a learning opportunity whether it's you know in the canteen line whether it's you know in a garden in your house you know whether it's that moment that a child is throwing a toy there's always something that's going on deeper than that and a learning that's happening and I feel like the the way that we um I don't know, the, the word handle's coming. I don't really like the word handle, but the way we handle that um, situation also allows for learning. You know, like, for example, a lot of people have had deep imprints um, in their lives around these old school tales, these old traumas of school. And yeah. I know myself when I was writing, I was, I was feeling into um, my, my own different traumas that arose as a, um, a teacher when I was first starting out with anxiety, like in the classroom and not feeling good enough. And a lot of the other authors were also sharing some traumas from their childhood and things like that in the stories. And so I feel like as teachers or as parents, being able to kind of in the moment where learning is happening, be a a peacemaker, like what, what your project's all about, like be a peacemaker, you know, be somebody that's there to allow space for learning to happen from a peaceful place rather than being there and being part of an imprint for the future where it would turn into a blockage later on and mm-hmm. create all these old paradigms that are stuck in our bodies that are not necessary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. that, that's really that's really powerful.
0: And um, I think it's, it is because, you know, your approach to education is not, you know, it sounds like, yes, of course, the content is important, But it's the way that they're learning, um, I think, that has that bigger impact, because you're really looking at the whole person, you're looking at their emotions, their joy, their sense of self, their, you know, confidence, um, and all of those different aspects that are so important, you know, to who we are as human beings. Um, And I know that you have children of your own. I'm wondering, what does education look like for them?
1: Yes, I have one daughter and her name is um, Coral. She's four years old. And so her education is going to be uh, a mix of, well, for, first of all, she speaks English and Spanish. So she's already got two different you know vocabularies and, and phonics and things like that, if you're looking at it from that perspective. And she's just absorbed both of them easily without us really doing much and what I've ob- observed from her is that she's just learning through us through watching us um, she is going to a school here in Uruguay because uh, we live quite remotely and I think it's really great for her to have socialization and um, and you know wherever we travel I feel like if there's that opportunity that she can go and mix with children and learn together uh, she was at a Montessori school here as well in a different town where they did music and things like that. She's only four. Like most of the day she doesn't go to school and we're like, that's fine, just stay home. You know, she's four. But um, yeah, for the future, it's it's probably going to look different than what I imagined because myself personally being an educator from Australia, I had imagined that at one moment her and I would return into a school in Australia together and maybe, you know, do a term together there. But I know that I'm not going to be returning there because of different um, mandates and rules that they've they've placed on teachers which is um yeah which is such a shame because there's so many amazing teachers that Mm. you know can't be there um so for us it will probably look different I don't know maybe I'll be reaching out to somebody like you (laughs) and saying, well how do I homeschool what other options are there at this moment I'm not concerned because she's as I said she's four and I don't actually want to predict the future like she is going to do this or she isn't going to do this my answer is I don't know I know that she'll be learning throughout the world because we spend our life traveling between our countries. Mm-hmm. And I know for certain that she's already curious and she already knows so much. So I'm, I'm very confident whatever she learns will be exactly what she needs. So I haven't actually placed a, a picture on exactly what that is, but thank you for asking me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, you said that you're
0: confident that she will learn what she needs and yeah. I, I, ugh, that's such a beautiful Statement. And I feel like that is, that's the heart, right? Like that's the heart for us as parents with our children. If I could communicate one thing to parents, I feel like it would be that exactly what you just said. Trust that your child is going to learn everything that they need. Um, And because, you know, a lot of times when people start homeschooling, they do, they have that fear, that concern that, you know, what if my child's going to miss something or what if, you know, whatever, all those what ifs that we have. Um, or, you know, a lot of times parents feel like they're not capable of homeschooling their kids or they'll, they won't be able to learn everything that they need. But, you know, at that aspect of that self-directed education, where I'm in charge of my learning and I can see all of life as learning, then we can really be able to look, you know, everything that they need, they're going to get it. And I can trust my child that when, if they have something in their life that they need to learn, they're going to learn it. Um, and it, it, it is, it's a, it's, it can be a challenging shift, especially for us as teachers that we're in this, you know, more regimented where we're coming from a regimented mindset, but being able to create that, that space where kids really can have that trust and that confidence that the adults that are, you know, in their lives are trusting them that they're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, we don't have to stress or have like anxiety about, about their learning, but that it can really be something that's fun for
1: them. I want to share something from the book as well because um, I think this is good for the listeners to hear. When I um, when I was choosing the people to collaborate from the book, um, it ended up being a group of us of eight of us all together and. Um, we were from all different countries and all different areas of education so we had like college professors we had parents we had TEFL teachers you know people that are teaching English we had um, you know energetic healers we had a school psychologist like we had all these different facets of education and I interviewed each of them with certain questions that are written in the book um, because I was really curious well if we are going to create a new paradigm What are the things that we need? This kind of links back to what you were sharing about what the parents need to hear. And within all of these questions that are in the book, there's 14 questions. Um, And they're actually open for you as listeners to listen to as well and to absorb and to consider what you want to make changes with. Um, What I found interesting was that they all came back with the same ideas as each other. And I was just astounded. I'm like, how can one person who's, you know, this place with this background, how can one person with this place with this background all almost have the same answers? And Mm. I was interviewing them and my jaw was like dropping, like, really? (laughs) Yeah, like, honestly, it all came back to these same few principles that you're sharing. You know, children need love, children need connection, children need to be heard. And um, the the classroom or the learning environment or the home needs to be a peaceful environment Mm. for the student and the parent and the educator. So, um, I, so none of us were concerned about the learning of the children that we were, we were taught. We were all more concerned about, well, how are they learning? And, you know, is this going to be creating the best students that we can create? Because ultimately we know that peaceful students make happy students happy students make amazing learners they could be whatever they want to be you know from that place and it's activating all the portals of the brain as well not just one aspect of the brain but you know the right and the left hemispheres as well as I like to call it the top which is like uh, we call it the energetic quotient so um yeah it's all activated and it's that's what I feel like is the new paradigm of children walking around totally buzzing with using their whole brain as well so
0: yeah. And you mentioned, you know, having peace in the classroom, but also ha- that aspect of having peace at home. And um, with, with me personally, it was kind of backwards. Like I started with peace at home, you know, really learning about these concepts of gentle parenting and peaceful parenting. And then as I, you know, my daughter reached school age, I started really thinking, okay, how can I apply what I'm learning about peaceful parenting when it comes to her education. And that was actually what led us to unschooling. Um, Because, you know, for me, I felt like unschooling was the natural continuance of those, the natural application of gentle parenting principles in education, being able to give children freedom, being able to give them autonomy and trust and peace and a sense of you know, joy and happiness when it comes to learning, free from this like force and coercion and punishments and all those other, those other things. And um, and so I'm wondering how gentle parenting has also played a role in your view in in education.
1: For me, um, it I don't know exactly because I have never studied it as gentle parenting. I've always just um, used whatever I feel inside of myself and. I can tell you the biggest shift for me was just when I personally shifted myself inside to become a peaceful person, Mm -hmm. that automatically made me want to feel peace wherever I was, if I was in the classroom, if I was um, before, uh, you know, if I was with friends, or if I was with my child that that would be the moment of doing that like before. How did um, that happen? Like, how yeah, did I can know? tell you that? So that's of part of my yeah part of my story. in My book is all about my story of me as a teacher. So it started off with me, you know, feeling so much joy and love in the classroom and um, you know, happiness. But nothing was working. It was just like you know, children were jumping around and there was defiance and there was chaos and I was just like looking around, just like, what do I do? And some days going home crying, not knowing what to do. Sometimes feeling like I am. Um, I almost failed my university. Actually, I shared that in the book as well because I'd had all these other amazing pracs, and there was this one prac where the mentor and I just weren't matching, and the children could feel the energy of us not matching. It was mm-hmm. nothing to do with the children; and I, it was her and I not matching. So that deregulated the whole classroom. The classroom was in chaos, and and anyway, it got to this point where I nearly failed, and I was like, "I'm not going to fail. I've got this. I've got this thing inside of me that says I'm going to be a teacher, and I just, I know in my heart it's my calling it's just it's what I need to do in this world so anyway I managed to um find another way of passing I just do do the prac again at a better like a school that's more suited to my values and and things like that like they allow birds to squawk in the classroom and (laughs) they allow things (laughs) to happen that you know they just go with the flow and and things you know and um, that was a lot better for me there was no pressure like um so I had. Um, I feel like there's two factors. Like it depends. The school environment I was at did have pressure for that school, but at the same time, I wasn't confident in myself. I was young and I was still learning what to do. And I was told, "Oh, you must, you know, you must follow along with what they, you know, what what the system does, or you must kind of follow." So there was that aspect of me that was, as I said to you, I wasn't looking for change. I was a follower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just realized I got to a point in my life where. I realized I wasn't happy and it wasn't the teaching because actually I, at that moment I was working in an office training um, adult learners because I was still young and I'd been teaching a little while. And I was like, you know what? I think I just want to go and do something where I'm with adults, not with children. Cause like, I got kind of scared off from um, what happened to me a little bit traumatized actually with the, all the stuff that happened in the classroom and just thinking, am I really that bad a teacher? Like really? Mm-hmm. Like and I had this really deep down kind of, um, anxiety around it all and so I didn't actually dare enter the classroom for a few years again after that situation I went into adult education and um, yeah and I, I taught them and I still loved teaching adults but there was obviously that thing that was missing which was the children which I then later went back to do but um yeah it all came back to me just studying meditation so I started to study meditation I started to look at myself um on a deeper level look at my flaws look at the things that I could change without worrying about people systems places students non-students nothing to do with that just me myself how can mm-hmm. I change myself so once I had studied meditation I just got to a point where um neurolog- speaking the brain just naturally starts to change and um, a lot of the emotional charges and things start to fade away there's a lot of research and science and all of that stuff which i'm not going to claim to be the expert about but you can always look it up on on the internet around the science of meditation okay Mm -hmm. Um, so I did, a, I just, yeah, I got to that point where I had regulated myself and that then just shifted everything in my life. And so, because mm-hmm. I was feeling joy, I walked into a classroom, joy was there. The children would respond to that. Oh, you're so happy, miss. Like we love you, miss. Like, what is it that you do? Why do you smile so much, miss? Like uh-huh. I just couldn't help but smile because I was feeling so happy and the children would be responding to that. So that yeah. was my solution. And Um, What I would offer is that um, educators or um, parents or anybody just give themselves that five minutes a day, Mm. you know, just to sit down and um, you can even do it sleeping. If you want, you just get an audio of, you know, some music or there's a whole lot of different meditation audios you can do put, put them in your ears and just for five minutes, allow yourself just to drop and, and feel like, feel into the nothingness of life, the stillness Mm -hmm. of life. And honestly, You do this every day, every day, every day, every day. It builds up. And over time, you'll notice a big change within you. Mm -hmm. Um, That, for me, was the game changer and also for the children to the point where I really believe that every classroom... um, I believe should be a mindful classroom in all aspects from the moment they enter to the moment they leave. It's not something that's separated like, oh, let's teach mindfulness now for five minutes. Okay, children, be quiet. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about a practice and a skill of life. Like how can I be kind? How can I instill kindness? How can I instill feeling peace when I feel frustrated because I can't color in between the lines and I'm like so frustrated you know those are the types of things to learn and um yeah I feel like what came across in our book was that all of us um educators if we call ourselves educators all had the same view on that mindfulness um literally has changed the face of education um, in so many ways like um, of our authors, uh, Jen, is a school psychologist and she's dealt with, you know, gang members, (laughs) you know, in New York, like, you know, really heavy stuff, really heavy stuff that she has I take my hat off to her. Um, helped so many children, and she also um, was advocating in her school for mindfulness. They had a mindfulness room, and her biggest key for all of that was coming back to her being regulated, and also her mm-hmm. connection with the child. Seeing mm-hmm. the child as a real person, connecting with them as a real person, which mm-hmm. ultimately is mindfulness anyway, because it's all about being a conscious citizen. You know, you know, people say yeah. conscious parenting, conscious yeah. citizen. You yeah. Know? conscious human being (laughs) yeah totally yeah
0: (laughs) I think it's fascinating how you describe that it was almost like the classroom was a reflection of your own internal state like when there was chaos inside of you there was chaos in the classroom and when there's peace inside you there's peace in the classroom when there's joy inside you there's joy in the classroom and I can definitely say that that was that's true in my own personal experience I have definitely been you know, in the chaotic classroom, and and felt like that there is chaos inside of me, and it is coming out, um, <laughs> and being reflected in my students. And then I've also seen that reverse, like you know, just as you said, that that joy and that happiness is contagious. You know, when we can go into a classroom or go with a group of students and have a smile on our face and and be genuinely authentically happy, it that transfers to other people. You know, and. Um, yeah, so I think that aspect of mindfulness, you know, a lot of times we do, we, in the schools, they kind of want to compartmentalize it like, okay, we're going to do mindfulness for five minutes, but it's not that five minutes of mindfulness. It's the, the whole picture of like how we're interacting with other human beings with mindfulness constantly in our mind, (laughs) um, and being, you know, conscientious of, of how we're interacting with other people. And so I'm, um, I, that's really cool to hear also about, you know, your, your friend that was working with gang members and I'm wondering what were some of the results that she was able to see through, you know, helping kids learn these aspects of mindfulness and being self-aware and being peaceful. Like how was she able to teach that to students? And then what were some of those results that she saw or even not her, even, so, like, even you too, you know, how, are, how do you. I guess teach you know mindfulness and yeah
1: sure no that's fine so for her um she would speak with um I guess she was liaising a lot with teachers and she was hopping between different school districts so she would quite often be able to compare and contrast with different data that they do I don't know a lot about what exactly her world is but what I know she shared with me is like um the the results would 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 show themselves so if she would sit with children and they would do mindfulness even if it was just for five minutes like we were saying you know not the ideal scenario but if if even if it was just for five minutes that naturally those children would want to start to learn and then the teachers would see a difference so there was nothing that actually needed to be done because um, literally everything Literally was just changing, like the results themselves were just mm. were just manifesting in front of her eyes, and she didn't actually have to prove anything, like because the children were just doing it, and the teachers could see it, and they're like, "Wow, this teacher saw it." They're like, "Oh well, I'm going to try it." Oh my gosh, that worked okay. I'm going to try it. And mm-hmm. she was at a school that was um, like one of those higher achieving schools as well, where there was a lot of academic pressure for them to perform. Mm-hmm. So this was um, astounding results for a school that's basing themselves off acad- academia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for her, maybe the biggest tribute from the, the st- story that she shares in, in our book about this this one student is just that she was able to change his whole entire life, um, his whole trajectory of life from what it was going to be like, you know, given his background to what it, it then it, the became, you know? So I don't really know how else to share it more than that because I don't want to take the words from her and her experiences. Um, Yeah, I'll just leave it with
0: that. That's great. Well, we'll definitely have to read the book um, and I'll make sure that I put a link for the book in the notes. So in case anyone is interested in reading and learning more from these eight different people, eight different perspectives on their vision for this new paradigm of education, I would highly recommend that you um, purchase that book. It is available on Amazon. Um, so you can get that and, um, make sure that you, you know, can read that and, um, and also ask yourself those same questions as well that she mentioned of what is your vision for a new paradigm of education? Um, and, you know, we've talked about like self-directed learning. We've talked about mindfulness. Um, I am wondering what advice do you have for teachers that are in the classroom, they are wanting to create this new paradigm of education, not just as a vision for the future, but they're wanting to experience um, that, that freedom and that joy with, their, with students now. What advice would you have for a teacher in today's classroom?
1: It all comes back to what you were saying to self. So if I'm not happy in my classroom, what do I need to do first and foremost? If I'm not happy there, am I supposed to be in a mainstream school? Am I supposed to be teaching a different way? Ask yourself that question. Secondly, okay, yes, I want to be in this mainstream school. I don't want to leave, um, but I feel stuck. What can I do? Okay, well, I would definitely start to incorporate mindfulness into your subjects as much as possible in order different ways um, play around like I'm a primary school teacher so we had a lot more um, freedom in terms of playing around with cross-curricular subjects because we weren't having just one child for 40 minutes so I'd have the children the whole day Mm. so I would I would experiment with taking the children outside to learn for a session you know rather than having them in the classroom Mm -hmm. Uh, arrange extra excursions with the school arrange Mm -hmm. guest speakers to come speak to you know, your principal and just say, you know, this is the things that I want to, I want to see happen and just start to do them. What's the worst thing that can happen? You'll have happy children. You'll have results. The results will show like, you know, that's what Jen did. She just did it. She's like, I'm not going to wait for this. If I'm waiting for authorities, I'm going to be waiting 20 years. Like, you know, it's, you know, you just do it, just start to make changes. Like I know myself, like when I went to school, One of the things I learned was learning how to learn and I still remember it to this day, we sat down, um, this is me in a selective school so one of those schools that people you know. Do an exam to enter with the pressure of needing to perform and have results and rah 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 all that stuff, but one of the best things that I learned in that school, this is like years ago was learning to learn where the teacher would um, put us into a guided meditation and they would um, allow us to go to a place, a visualization of a happy place. Mm. And from that place, then they could then um, ask us different questions around how we are learning and how, um, yeah, how it affects us in different areas of our life. And that from there was letting me realize, okay, I like to do writing or I like to do reading, or Mm. sometimes in the meditation, you might see an answer to your maths result that you weren't sure about, you might see a block of like an emotion that arises or something. There was always something that came in this session and it was really, really powerful. So bringing things like that into the classroom that are supporting children's learning, there's so much research out there. Like we don't even need to prove it anymore. That's what, well, that's what astounds me. Like there's no need to prove um, that mindfulness works. It just does. There's so much, this just um, like mindfulness.com. If you're wanting to go to like a, a website that's got Kind of scientific-based research, and they're also—it's also created by educators. Um, that's a really good place to go um I really believe that that in itself will change so changing myself then also incorporating it into the classroom in different fun ways music or you know mixing it up um in, in different forms just make changes don't just sit there and do the same thing every day and go it's not working and be frustrated like that's just not going to work right <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what you're doing but I know that every teacher in their heart cares about children that's why they're there they wouldn't be there otherwise and I know every every educator wants to have as much time as they can with the children you know so can you can you bring in more helpers to the room can you change the furniture around can you change the environment can you just try different things every single day until you meet that one thing that makes the child the children or the child happy can you create an environment where there's different stations and I know all of this is still the old paradigm I'm describing because all of that has been tried and and everything that's why i i I do see this grand division of a new paradigm but in the stepping stones towards that just every day being consciously aware of how like as i said it comes back to what is it what is going to be there supporting the child's highest good and taking action from that place and not being scared of doing that like i think if you can sleep at night knowing that you have done the best that you can for children that's the place to come from um yeah you know, like, as opposed to going to the school and thinking, oh, I better, I better fit into the school or the principal will, will you know, say this or say that or, or whatever that's, that's bullying and that's, mm-hmm. that's not needed, you know, so just being a, a stance for that, like a competition doesn't need to um you know, in the past, exam papers and all of that stuff has caused unnecessary anxiety and competition in children. All of that can fade away if you see children for who they are and see yourselves as equal with them and encourage a classroom that is an equal space. All of that will naturally just drop away. It'll just be just a piece of paper. Wow, there's a paper with a number. Wow, big deal. Let's get on with our day. Are you happy? Like, are you happy? That's the main thing, right? That's how I see it. Hope that helps a bit.
0: I love that. No, because I mean, you're right, like so many of these, like the grades and the, you know, labeling of kids and all of that it does it can create a lot of anxiety, but what a beautiful space to be able to even in an environment where they're getting a grade or they're getting, you know, whatever, that they can still be able to just see the grade as a number and not have it be something that's meaning something about them. It's not something that's going to destroy their day, you know, or, or anything like that. Like they can be happy and at peace regardless of the grade that they're getting or regardless of whatever paper stuff is there. Although, um, you know, for me, I, I love being it, I love the fact that my daughter doesn't have that pressure at all, you know, mm. um, that my daughter doesn't have any sense of grades or tests or, you know, quizzes or things like that. Like she truly just can live her life and enjoy what she's learning and not have those kind of like pressures and things like that. Um, But I I think it is, you know, those stepping stones that you mentioned, because I know a lot of people aren't ready to just go like full blown unschooling or full blown world schooling or, you know, things like that. Um, But for for the moment, like wherever you are, whether you're in school or out of school, like you can start to adapt some of these mindsets when it comes to these things that can truly free you from a lot of that anxiety and the pressure and the competition that you mentioned that can be so detrimental to kids. Um, so we, you shared some great advice for teachers. Um, I'm wondering what, what advice would you have for parents? For what was the question? How they can change. What advice would you have for parents that want their children to be happy, fulfilled,
1: self-directed, joyful, peaceful children? I just, my honest advice for that would be to allow the children to lead you. And yeah. it's the same as what I do in the classroom. I allow the child to lead me. I'm not the leader. I, I take off, I just take off my myself, my hat, whatever I am. And I literally just follow them. Like I, I would just follow my daughter around with whatever she needs. I don't have a, a set schema of what we need to do because all of that comes back to control and also it's the same as I see them I don't see them as separate I see them as the same like in the classroom there's always been this aspect of control like okay students listen to me sorry there's just a um, I don't know if you can hear it we've got Uruguay music in the background Um, okay so um, yeah there's always been this thing of like control like so the teachers they're wanting control if you can let go of control then It's actually flow. And that to me is what a new paradigm is. And An old paradigm is like fixtures, structures, you know, kind of rat race, like pressure, pushing, pushing, pushing. A new paradigm is flow. It's about allowance. And so who am I to say what that looks like exactly except to allow for that space of flow with your child? So connection, flow, love. And, yeah, maybe they're not doing something that you, you don't like. Okay, so what is it within you that doesn't like that? Go back into yourself. And is it dangerous? No, it's not dangerous. Okay, well, then that's okay. Is it dangerous? Okay, well, maybe then I could set boundaries. You know, um, I don't really set boundaries with my daughter because I feel like she just knows so much. And there's so much in her that I want to (laughs) learn. Honestly, (laughs) seeing the world through the eyes of the children, like through their curiosity and their wisdom, they they know what they need. We just, as educators, as parents, just need to step aside and- honestly, that's what the change makers of this world need is us to step aside. And then if they need us, we come in and we serve what, what is it that I can do to support that, that thing that you're doing at that moment? You know, your children are a perfect example with the book writing, you know, like, what is it that I can do to serve you to now create something you've created like little entrepreneurs. It's like so beautiful, you know, like this is, this is the new paradigm we're talking yeah. about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And very, I love that, you know, that, that shift in focus because of being like the teacher and being the one that's in control to really looking at yourself as I'm the learner. I'm the student of my child. I want to mm. learn as much as I can about this unique individual that God has given me and who you know who they are. I want to learn about who they are and instead of that again that control of I'm going to, you know, tell you what to do or not to do or whatever, but what are you what are you doing? What are you excited about? What are you passionate about? And then how can I support you in that learning? Um, it is definitely a very unique shift, I feel like, um, you know, when it comes to both being as a teacher as well as a parent. Um, so, yeah,
1: thank you. Did you have a question with that statement?
0: <laughs> well, uh, so I, so I just was I just was thinking about everything you were saying, you know, and I just it is it's it's beautiful to think. it's beautiful to dream. Um, and and i i I really do appreciate everything that you are creating in the world and um, you know the things that you are committed to
1: sharing and are you're, you're still a teacher now yes yes I'm okay. still a teacher yes so I still teach online and I'm going to be creating some different styles of um, learning I'm just downloading the next vision of what I want to create that will be supporting children in the way that I want to support them Um, probably a lot of more mindfulness incorporated along with uh what I currently do which is the foundational skills but Mm -hmm. I am open to yeah I'm open to uh, creating different projects for children as well but honestly like um where I am now in Uruguay, I'm not in the classroom. I, I I love being, like, my favorite is being in there, in the classroom, like, not in the classroom, but in a place of learning with the child, right? So my daughter and I are learning together now. That's our learning, you know? The children on the street are the learning. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I haven't cre- created a certain um, thing yet. But, yes, I, I am still teaching and I still I'm still I still love it. And I feel like as teachers, like, we really have a, a way of, even as parents, we really have a way of just Um, being able to make change in the world you know like as Mahatma Gandhi says be the change you wish to see in the world and I truly believe that I truly believe like It really is a calling and that's what keeps me going every day. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, what else can I do? What else can I do? I just literally just want to serve in the best way I can. And, you know, the book was part of that. Collaborating with other educators is part of that, but also being with the children, being with the students is all part of that. So I'm not going to like box myself in because that would be old paradigm. I'm just this. I'm so much more right. I'm limitless is what I'm going to do. (laughs) I'm going to be the role model of limitless education with what I do, how I am. And I haven't got the exact answer for what those Mm -hmm. steps are, but I know they're coming. And maybe that maybe sounds strange to some people who are listening. Like, what is this person talking about? She doesn't know what she's doing. What is she doing on this podcast? But this is the whole thing about the new paradigm is it's a letting go of constraints within yourself, limitations within yourself, limitations within the world, limitations within education, limitations within the environment. And then when you're letting go of all of that, there's a place for birth. for creation to happen this is the gold of the new paradigm this is the creative point of wisdom and manifestation and Mm -hmm. all different types of education that can help humanity to happen like all of our different educators in the new paradigm are all doing different amazing things in all their own unique ways and as I said it all comes back to supporting what is best for the students good you know Mm -hmm. So whether you are listening and you
0: are a teacher or a parent or just someone that loves and cares about children, um, I think this would be a great time for you to just kind of sit and think and reflect what do you want to create in the world when it comes to children, to the children that are in your life? What do you want to create when it comes to yourself and your own learning and your own experience in the world? Um, And really, again, you know, it's not, that place of change. It is. It's not change. It's not about change. It is really, truly about creation. What do you want to create for yourself and your life? Um, and also, you know, invite your children to be a part of that creation with you. Um, and you know, so if, if you're homeschooling, talk with them about what they want to learn about. Talk with them about their their passions, their interests. Um, you know, if you're in the classroom, you can incorporate a lot of these ideas that Monique said. I I love the ideas that you talked about of. Um, You know, getting out of the classroom like go go outside do a lesson outside, you know, sometimes literally just being outside and having that breath of fresh air is a literal and figurative breath of fresh air, Um, you know, get outside for a little bit if you can also you know being able to take your learning outside, Um, take the time to invest in field trips, or as she mentioned, you know, bringing these experts into your classroom where they can get connected with real people in the real world in that community. Um, I think there was another part that you touched on that we didn't get to talk about as much today, but I would love to explore that idea with you more of just that idea of being partners with people in the community and having other people that are contributing to the learning, whether it be the learning of the students in your classroom or the learning of your children at home, that there is a wealth of wisdom and knowledge in, of, I mean, just everyone in the world has their own, you know, wealth of wisdom and knowledge and being able to view, that's why, you know, the tagline of my show is, that, you know, we view the world as our biggest and best classroom and the people and places in it as our greatest teachers, because there is something valuable that you can learn from every single person that crosses your path. But being able to get connected and strategic about those experts in different areas that we want to explore and grow in, um, I think that's that's another great strategy that Monique shared. Um, And if someone is listening to you and they're like, wow, I really want to get connected with what Monique is doing, how can people get connected with you? Are you on
1: Instagram, Facebook, website, share it all? Yes, so so my name is Monique Sayers, so my website link will be down in the the show notes. Um, Our book is A New Paradigm of Education, so you could get that on Amazon, and that's also got in there um, connection to myself and all of the educators there and i'm on facebook my name is monique um, with Coral c-o-r-a-l um, on facebook my name is slightly different on there but that will lead you to where you need to go <laughs> so and there's also the wisdom questions on the website as well which i'm actually really curious to know like if um, if the world is also viewing this new paradigm the way that i see it and the way that others are seeing it there's also on the website the questions that you can fill in as well so
0: Awesome, thank you so much. Um, and actually just out of curiosity, can you share what a couple of those questions are? Or if you, if you, yeah, can you just share just a couple of the questions? Cause I would
1: love to hear what some of those. Yeah, sure. So, okay, so um, it starts with what is working, what is currently working in education that is for students highest good? What is currently not working in education that is for highest, students highest good? Um, what is the importance of the EQ and the IQ learning, and do you know of any other ways of learning, for example, mindfulness? Um, what is your vision for a new paradigm of education? There's, there's a whole series of them. There's a whole, okay. there's like 14. I love that.
0: Okay, well, I will definitely be checking out those questions, and I encourage um, each of you, whether you're a teacher or a parent, please go through and take the time to answer those questions for yourself. Um, I think that that would be a really powerful way to to start you know really thinking and being reflective about your experience in education and then also your own vision for a new paradigm of education. So, thank you so very much, Monique, for being with us today. And again, I will make sure that I include all of her links for you in the description so you can follow her and be a part of the work that she's doing. Please, please um, purchase her book. As she mentioned, it is on Amazon and it is wonderful.
1: Thank you so all much right, Angela, my... for having me. Yeah, that looks like my God, <laughs> okay. All right, well, thank you. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> all right.
0: Um, so, thank you so much for joining us for the Peaceful World Schoolers podcast today. It was such a pleasure um, to be able to have you, Monique, and to hear more about your story and your vision for the future and the work that you're doing, also right now in the present, to help bring about that that beautiful future of peace and joy and happiness for yourself and for all the children that cross your path.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here with you and connecting with your vision as well for peaceful world schooling.
0: Thank you so much. All right. And again, make sure that you check out the the links in the show notes. Um, There are new episodes of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast that are released every single Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. Thank you so much. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.